It's great to be with you this morning. Um, I have loved growing up here in the South Bay. Right now, I'm actually in Northern California, what they call their South Bay. But I know this is the real deal. This is where it's at. Um, I know they're all just trying to pretend to be like you all. Um, but this will always be my home. This is where I grew up. This, is, this church made me the woman who I am today. And I'm really grateful to be here. Every time I come back, I'm really grateful. Um, I learned from all the aunties and the uncles. You all were my Sunday school teachers. I learned from all of you um, what it means to be a community, what it means to faithfully follow Jesus day in and day out. Um, and also, I learned here my value for wanting my friends and my family uh, to know Jesus. It was here that that started. And uh, as I went in college ministry and worked with InterVarsity, I gained a couple more tools, but the foundations came from here, from this place. Uh, the foundations of, of scripture and taking risks for the gospel, the foundations of um, saying yes to Jesus wherever he's calling us, that came from this place. And so I'm really grateful to be here because I know that all of us have friends and family that may not know Jesus yet, and we want to help them introduce them to God. So today I will be presenting on the five thresholds. It's this training that InterVarsity does, um, helping people walk towards Jesus. And if you are here seeking Jesus for the first time, welcome. I am glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. This will also be relevant to you. Um, as we look through the paths towards Jesus, maybe you'll find yourself and where you stand in relationship to who God is to you. Now, Pastor Chris told me that you're moving from uh, the Book of Acts series to a discipleship series. Um, so that puts me right in the middle. I'm right here as your transition piece. And I'm here to give you really practical tips and resources. I even brought some with me. So I have uh, this book, I Once Was Lost. It's the book that I'll be working mostly from. Uh, has the five thresholds in it. Uh, this book is a four-week Bible study series, and it's called Grow. Uh, this is, uh, it goes through the Gospels with new Christians and helps them uh, grow in their faith and community. And lastly, I have Deeply Rooted. This is a 10-week Bible study series uh, on the Apostles' Creed and helps uh, as you go with new Christians and disciple them into new faith. So uh, because you have been partnering with me for seven years now, uh, and I'm so grateful for you. I have a really good bargain a deal for you. I brought a bunch of these. Uh, I'm going to give these to you for not $5, not $2, but for free. <laughs> we all love a bargain, and free is the best bargain. Uh, so I have a bunch of copies. I have six copies of this, 40 copies of this, 11 copies of this. Don't ask me why the numbers are the way they are. Um, but if you come see me after, I would love to just give these to you and thank you for all the years of partnership with me. And you can use them with your friends. All right, so before we get to the resources, um, I actually want to start with scripture. So uh, Uncle Arnold wrote, uh, read the scripture for us, and Nathan preached on the scripture with the kids. But let's read it again, Mark 4. Um, I learned this tradition when I was uh, growing up in college, uh, that we can actually uh, stand when we read scripture as a sign of respect to scripture. So if you are able, please stand with me. And let's read it together. It's always good. Refresher scripture one more time. So read this with me. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows. 
though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm going to pray to bless our time together. Um, God, would you add your blessing to your scripture? Would you transform our lives as we hear from you? Um, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know we can spend hours on this one passage alone, but I'm just going to do a couple three points. Uh, three points, not a couple three points. Uh, first is that this process is a mystery. And some of you may know this as you garden, right? You plant the seed, you prepare the soil, you plant the seed, you water it, and then you wait. <laughs> you have to just wait for the plant to grow. And you don't know exactly what's going on underneath the soil, but something's happening. And very soon, the seed will germinate and sprout, and out will come a plant, a tree or a flower, right? Um, so is the same when people are journeying towards faith. We may not know everything that's going on inside that person, but we can trust that God is doing some work in them. And it's a mystery. It's actually a mystery. We can trust and have faith. The goal is not to try to control or understand everything, but actually to have faith in God. Next is uh, that there is a process. So we see that uh, the stalk comes in the head, then the full kernel in the head. Um, and you may know this from your own faith journey or even from uh, seeing other people walk through it, but there is a process. There's timing involved. And this is the key discovery that these people who wrote this book, if you discovered that, you can write a whole book and make lots of money on it. Um, but that's what they discovered that after 2,000 conversations with people who became Christians, there are five key uh, transition points that people go through as they journey through faith. So those five are quickly trust, curiosity, open, seeking, and follower. And I'll go over those in more depth, but just as an overview, um, there's a process when people come to faith. Lastly, it requires faithfulness. So the man may not know how the seed grows and blossoms. Um, he may not control it all or have the timing set, but he is faithful, especially when the harvest comes. And that's our role in all of this. It's not up to us to like, force people to come to faith. It's up to God. And that's the beautiful thing about it. All he asks of us is faithfulness. And actually, I'm really grateful for that because if it were up to me and my goodness and my skills and my ability, no one would ever come to faith, right? Because I'm not an expert. I'm just a faithful follower of Jesus, much like you. And I can trust that God will do the work with me, that God is the one who is changing and transforming lives. Now, I will admit that sometimes even uh, my job as a full-time campus minister gets in the way of me having relationships with people or helping them seek God, just because it shuts a conversation down once they ask me, what do I do for a living? And I say, oh, I do Christian ministry, and they don't want to talk to me anymore, especially on a plane. That's like the worst thing to say. Uh, <laughs> but for you and for people like my husband, who is an electrical engineer with Texas Instruments, that actually opens doors, right? The conversation can keep going from that. Uh, I've seen him on multiple business trips or even lunch breaks or working in the lab. He, uh, he can talk to his friends about faith. He can talk to them about their backgrounds and where they're coming from. I've seen him invite every single one of his rotational group to church with him. It's crazy. 
And, and just as he is blessed, so are you blessed with these relationships, with these networks that God has given you, has intentionally placed in your lives. And so that's where we're going to start. Uh, we have given you, hopefully you haven't lost them, they get kind of uh, wily. But these are the inserts in your bulletin. You can unfold it. On one side are the thresholds. It's a summary of the thresholds. Does anyone need one? There's some more in the back. It's OK. OK. On the other side are a couple steps. And if I could have uh, some volunteers help pass out pens. If you need a pen, just raise your hand, because we'll need pens for this. Sorry, it's very small. I thought it was bigger. Auntie Mimi needs a pen. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to fill out this prayer map. So very simply, you put your name in the middle. Just write your name. I know you know how to do that. You can write your name. Oh, no, I didn't even still need a pen. <laughs> OK, when you do get your pen, write your name in the middle. And then I want you to think of all the non-Christians in your life. So who are the people that God has placed in your life? This is simply a brainstorming tool. Um, it could be a friend from work, it could be a family member, or an old friend from school, um, maybe an acquaintance from a hobby that you picked up, it could be a neighbor, or literally anything else, like any other space that you're in. Um, who are the non-Christians in your life, that God has put in your life? I had a mom friend, uh, she just became a mom, and she said that when she became a mom, she had all these new networks. There were like parenting classes and like, stroller parties or something, they'd go walking together. Um, I had a friend who also joined a writing club because they love writing. So there's like all these networks that you can have. Um, you can, if you find that maybe you don't have a lot of friends or circles to fill out, that you can still meet people. It's not too late. I know for me sometimes all my friends are from church and then my job is all about ministry. Where do I meet non-Christian friends? Well, I'd meet them in my dance classes, or I meet them as my neighbors, right? So we can use these, these different networks and places that God has put us in uh, to meet new people and have non-Christian friends. Okay, so fill in and out, how are we doing? Thumbs up if you're, oh, Auntie Mimi's always ready. Thumbs up if you finished, if you're good. Okay, still working, still working. All right. Um, so as we see these people that God has put in our lives, um, we're going to focus. We're going to ask for just right now, um, who does God want us to uh, walk alongside with? Just for right now. We're going to focus on two people. The step two is called listening prayer. Now, it's not something scary. Actually, when you have a conversation with someone, you talk to them, but you also listen. So this is just like with God. We, it's appropriate sometimes to listen to God. So I'm going to pray for us that we're going to Ask who are the two people, the two non-Christian friends that God wants to focus our prayer and energy for right now. And then you're going to write down their names. Um, so I'll pray. Let me open us. I'll, we'll listen, and then I'll close. Dear God, you have put these people in our lives for a reason, and we want to be faithful to that. So would you highlight two names to us right now that you want us to focus our prayer and our energy on? In Jesus' name, amen. 
I know that wasn't much time, but sometimes listening to prayer, you don't have to force it. If God speaks to you, then great. So if there are two names that God highlighted, write them down in that next box, um, the two names that God put on your heart. If God didn't say anything, that's okay too. Sometimes that happens. And maybe as we journey throughout this and I explain more of the different thresholds, those people will come to mind and you'll say, oh yes, that is a person that God wants me to, to help journey with. All right, step three, the thresholds. So uh, this is the part actually in my preparation for the sermon that I had to cut down by half. <laughs> there's just so much in here and there's so much in this book. So you can get the book for free, right? Um, or you can come talk to me later. There's just so many stories and so many tips um, that we can do. But for right now, I'll give you the condensed fast version so you don't fall asleep and you get to lunch on time. All right, so the five thresholds uh, based on this book uh, from two staff workers who worked over 20 years in ministry. And through their time, they just discovered that there were these five paths to faith. Um, it just coincided that way. So we're going to go through them. The first one, oh, sorry, you can also follow on the back. So it'll, it's very small, but you can follow on the back. There's a summary of them, if that helps. And actually, as you follow along on the back, it'd be helpful if, if your friend, if that resonates with you and your friend, make a note, like star it or put a question mark by it so that you remember it for later. All right, from distrust to trust. So when I was a freshman in college, um, I met this guy named Arthur. He was an atheist, pre-pharmacy student from the Bay Area. And our very first conversation was a debate about God. And it got really heated up to the point where I just started crying. Just like I ended the conversation in tears, just fully crying. Um, he, he just tore into me about how he thought Christians were naive and untrustworthy and hypocritical, how he could never trust a health professional, which I was trying to be at the time, You'd never trust them if they believed in God. Um, and it was the very first time I ever shared my faith with anyone. So I was devastated because how could I be met with so much distrust and anger and frustration? I didn't even know him, and, and he, he gave this all back to me. Um, unfortunately, in the world we live in, Christians aren't trusted, right? It's, it's kind of the norm that uh, people don't trust Christians. And so how do we build this trust with Christians? It's actually really important. If they don't trust Christians, then they're not going to give Jesus a chance, right? So this is the first step, is to help people build trust. You can build trust with these habits. One is to pray. You pray for them, but you also pray for yourself. Pray that God will open and soften your heart towards them, love them. Um, you can learn about them, bond with them. So learn their background, learn their interests, learn their history and their hobbies. You can affirm and welcome them. Be hospitable. And I just want to say a quick word on affirmation. Um, affirmation doesn't mean like you affirm everything about them, whether or not you agree with it or not. That's not what affirmation is. Affirmation is being honest and truthful, um, but also seeing the things that are good. So a biblical example of this is Paul in Acts 17 when he's speaking to the Athenians, right? And they have, in Athens, there's like tons of like idol worship. There's like statues of different false gods everywhere. And then they even had this statue to an unknown god. And instead of Paul saying, oh my gosh, you guys are the worst. <laughs> you have all these false gods. I'm not going to speak to you. Instead of doing that, he actually says, hey, I notice 
that in all, every way you are seeking the right answers. You are seeking religious. You are very religious. Um, he affirms that they are trying to seek the right answers, even if it's wrong, even if it's not going the right direction. And that was honest, and it opens up the door for further conversation, right? It doesn't shut the conversation down. It actually opens the door for more. So we can be like Paul. We can affirm, be honest, but not compromise our ideals or our values. These are the three pitfalls to avoid. Avoid relativism. Our God is unique. Christ is unique. And he's the real and true savior and creator of the world. So don't hide that when you bond with people, when you build relationships with them. Um, be with them, but don't sin. And don't walk unwisely into temptation. So sometimes I hear people when they want to bond with friends or, or get to know them, their friends want to do kind of more questionable activities. You don't have to do that to be friends with them. Uh, one of my really good friend, Harrison, he, his family actually struggles with alcoholism. And so when his friends want to go to a party or drink, he'll, he'll choose to just drink soda or root beer because he knows that he doesn't want to walk into temptation, right? He doesn't want to put himself in a compromising situation. So he tells them straight up, oh, actually I have a family history of alcoholism and I'm just going to drink soda, but I still want to be your friend. I still want to bond with you. I don't want to make this a downer. Um, so you can still do that and, and hold to your integrity. All right, next one is indifferent to curious. So um, as I learned from my friend Arthur, uh, I couldn't avoid him. <laughs> Actually, he lived the, flo the floor below me in my dorm. So I, I, I was always running into him at classes, in my labs. Um, and as we started to get to know each other, I learned that he came from a family that was, was broken, like all families, but this one, uh, his dad was struggling to make it in Silicon Valley, and uh, we got laid off. His mom was completely out of the picture, and he was just really lonely. Um, and he took out a lot of his disappointment and aggression on other people, and that's kind of why he attacked me that one time. But as I got to know him and he learned uh, what Christians are really like, he began to trust me. Uh, we got to build relationships. It even got to a point where when we were, I was here for the summer and he was up north, he would call me when he felt depressed or suicidal, right? Like that's the trust that you can build with people. Um, unfortunately, building trust with people doesn't necessarily mean they'll be curious about Jesus. So for Arthur, he stayed in this place of trusting Christians. Like a lot of people, they're okay having Christian friends, but they're not going to take steps towards the kingdom unless they build this curiosity towards Jesus. So I wish I did this with him, but I'm also grateful uh, for the time I had with him. And um, let me just say a quick note that each of these steps are important and worth celebrating. Um, I know we want to see all our friends enter the kingdom into the end, but sometimes we're in people's lives for different seasons, and that's okay. We can trust that. And I pray that God will continue to put other people in Arthur's life so that he will say yes to Jesus one day. But for now, I'm not there with him 24-7, and I'm trusting that God will do the work. So that sometimes happens, just as a note. Um, as we keep going, so moving from indifferent to curiosity, uh, one of the best ways to stoke curiosity is to ask questions. And really good question asking can lead to more. I don't know if you know this, but who do you think is the best question asker in all of history? All time. Anyone? Jesus, it's a Sunday school answer, Jesus. <laughs> 
Great job. <laughs> so Jesus is superb at asking questions. Always answer Jesus. Just kidding. Don't always answer. Um, uh, I learned, actually, that Jesus asked uh, 183 questions in the Gospels. He answers only three of them, and he asks 307 questions back. So that's 490 questions that Jesus asked. He has so many questions, and he spoke in parables, right? All these things were meant to stoke curiosity, engagement, to help people want more, more of him. So as we uh, stoke curiosity, we can do that by asking good questions. Some of the questions that I enjoy asking are, um, what is your take on this whole God thing? What do you think God is like? Do you believe in God? Do you think God is real? What do you think he's like? Another one is, what is the most significant thing that has happened to you in the last month? Right? Because that kind of gets at what's going on within them. Another one is, have you ever felt like you received a sign from God? And how would you feel if God gave you a sign? Ask questions to stoke curiosity. The next one is being closed to change to open to change. Now, out of, out of all of the five thresholds, this is actually the most difficult to genuinely overcome um, because they have to be open to change the most, right? And I've seen a lot of people walk away from their journey towards Jesus at this stage. Often, our friends say that they're open people, but actually, they're quite close to change. So how can we help them see this contradiction? Our friends need us to be patient. Our friends need us to pray, enduring prayer, persevering prayer, but they also need us to be active as we walk with them. The biblical example for this is the rich young ruler in Mark 10. So if you remember this story, uh, this young man comes up to Jesus and says, teacher, what can I do to have inherit eternal life? And Jesus says all these things, but then at the heart of it, he knows that the young man loves his wealth more than anything else. So Jesus challenges him, sell everything you have and follow me. But the, instead, the young man actually walks away saddened. He is unwilling to change. We can learn from Jesus that actually a really great way to help people change is to challenge them. And not in a mean way, but actually in a non-judgmental truthfulness, right? Um, you can share truth about what you see in their lives and what you want for them. You can share about your own life. Maybe an experience where uh, you were not open to change, you were resistant to change, but then actually God changed your mind, changed your heart, and you became more open to change. You can ask for a sign. So I did this with my friend Mark. Uh, he comes from a Muslim background, and I learned from different somebody, a sermon from somewhere, that a lot of uh, people with Muslim backgrounds have dreams about Jesus, like explicitly Jesus. So I tried that with him. I was like, hey, Mark, you want to ask God for a sign? Uh, maybe he'll speak to you. And he said, okay. The next day he came back and he had a dream about Jesus. <laughs> it was crazy. So that was great to see that God was connecting the dots for him, right? God is not beyond like reaching out to our friends for us. Um, you can also invite them to seeker-friendly events. Now, these are places where they can feel safe and comfortable and um, connected. I saw this on Friday night. I loved it. It was such a great place to bring your friends to. You had um, testimonies of people and, and how they're journeying in faith. You had welcoming, really welcoming people. They could learn that Christians aren't weird, right? Like, these people are normal and great, 
and you had really good food. And that's like the heart to my stomach or whatever that is supposed to be. Uh, that is the key to help winning people over, right, is to welcome them and love them. And you guys do that really well. So I hope you do, those, do more of those in the future. Um, and lastly, connect the dots. Connect the dots for people. Help them see that Jesus is pursuing them and that Jesus is worth it, worth following. All right, next one, wandering to seeking. So we call uh, people who are taking steps, like actively taking steps towards Jesus, seekers. Um, and we want to help them move forward because often people will just wander. They'll just wander in this mess of, okay, I'm, I'm like engaging, seeking, but they're not focused. So how do we help focus people? What we need to do for people in this stage is live out the kingdom of God in front of them and engage with them. So you can show them how to build their lives on God's word, right? Bible studies. How do you read scripture? How does scripture influence your everyday life? You can open up your prayer life to them. That's a very intimate thing, but sometimes they just need to know, like, what does it look like to pray? You can provide satisfying answers to their initial questions. You don't just disregard those now. Now you engage it together. If you don't know the answer, I'll say, uh, let's look it up. Let's look it up together. Or let's ask an expert together. That's a good way to like model seeking yourself, which is the next one. It's model seeking yourself. We're never done on this journey, right? And so as we show that actually Christians are always learning, always engaging, um, you can show them what it looks like to keep going forward. So that is uh, moving uh, forward, seeking. The next one is the last one, becoming a follower. So they can either go back to a previous threshold or become a follower of Jesus. Uh, let me tell you a story about Justin. Two years ago, Justin uh, was a freshman at Stanford, and he was going to Bible studies and our weekly large group fellowships. He was really engaging. He even was going to... I think three Bible studies at a time a week, <laughs> more than most of my other students, right? Um, but he wasn't a Christian. And he signed up for our annual conference where we study the book of Mark. And I thought for sure he would say yes to God because he was so close. So at the very end, I made a call to faith, an invitation to become a follower of Jesus. Um, and it was in front of a, big, a bigger group uh, that we were studying with. And I looked at him and I made the invitation and I waited, and I looked at him again, and I waited, and he didn't say anything. And we moved on. And I was crushed. I thought, for sure, that would have been the time. If you were to say yes, that would have been the time. Um, and maybe he decided not to. Maybe we lost him. So fast forward to a week later, my co-leader Caleb met up with him and just asked him, hey, Justin, how are you feeling about this Jesus thing? Uh, what, what is holding you back from becoming a follower of Jesus? And he said, you know, nothing is holding me back. Uh, I just wanted more time, and I wanted someone to ask me one-on-one. -on -one. Like, I didn't like the big group, but I just needed an invitation one-on-one. -on -one. And that's all that it took for him to say yes to becoming a, faith, a follower of Jesus. So for us, uh, these are some tips that we could do to actually help people invite them. Jesus loves to invite people, and we can be part of that invitation. Some of the tips I found are, you actually need to ask. <laughs> you can't just wait for it to happen. You actually just need to be explicit, direct, about, hey, would you like to become a follower of Jesus? Simple as that. Or would you like to enter the kingdom? 
Um, most of these people, they already know what it, what it means by this point. Be appropriately urgent. And if they say no, don't just say, OK, I'll never talk to you again. <laughs> you can say, why? What is holding you back? What are some of the barriers? And you can help them with those barriers. Sometimes work through that with them. Sometimes maybe it's not necessary. Uh, sometimes they can get caught up on like non-essential doctrine or non-essential things. So resurrection, super essential, yes. Things like the history of the Crusades, maybe not so much right now. They can do that later. Uh, so help them to focus. How are they responding to Jesus? And um, how maybe even you could look at passages in the Gospels about people who are lost and how they make these decisions so that they could see what it looks like. You can even have uh, people who became Christians, new believers, share their testimonies. So they can show uh, what does it look like to end the seeking process. You can help them to, to see that. Now, the five thresholds, those are the five. We went through them. Trust, curiosity, open, seeking, follower. This is not a magical bullet. It's not like you plug and chug into this formula and then poof, they come out a Christian. That's not how it works. That's not how God works. Uh, but what I want to do is to give you some tools for your tool belt that will help you with your friends as you journey with them in faith. If you get anything out of this today, I want you to get that we are called to be faithful, right? And we're called to be faithful with all the relationships that God has put in our lives. And so if any of these things stick with you, it's to help you further those relationships with people, further them on a path towards Jesus. So not a magic formula. Don't, don't take me the wrong way. Okay, turn it back, turn your uh, fun paper back over, and we're gonna do step three. You're gonna mark down, where do you think your friend is? Which thresh threshold best describes your friend or your family member? Where do you think they're at? Do they need to move from distrust to trust? Do they need to be more curious? Do they need to be open to change? Do they need to be more actively seeking, more focused? Or are they just ready to become a follower and they need an invitation? Where are they at? And for some of you, where are you at in the audience? Where are you at with Jesus? Okay, write it down. Uh, and then lastly, we're going to do our next steps. Uh, I'm not going to leave you without uh, some homework. <laughs> so next steps, uh, things that I talked about but are also on your sheet. So for trusting, um, you can read it. It's how do you invest in your friendship and build trust? Curiosity. How do you ask some good questions? Change. How do you help challenge them, help them consider that um, they actually need to be more open to change? Seeking. How do you help focus their quest, live out the kingdom in front of them? And follower. Lastly, how can you help invite them into the kingdom? So what are one next step? You're only going to choose one. What is your one next step that you're going to do? And write it down. I think there's a spot for it. It's very tiny, sorry, but there's a spot for it. And when you're done, you can look up or give a thumbs up or make a face. <laughs> okay. All right. So step four is the commitment. Um, this is just a fill in the blank. Very easy. Because I want to see my friends put their names here, blank and blank, 
grow toward new faith. I commit myself to prayer, partnership, and practical steps to help them grow towards Jesus. I pray, I commit to pray blank times a week starting. So put in how many times a week you want to be praying for these people. It has to come with prayer. You need both faithful action, but you definitely need prayer. So how many times a week do you want to pray, and when do you want to start? Do you want to start tomorrow? Do you want to start in August? Do you want to start next month? That is August. Um, yeah, how many times? And then I commit to accountability with my prayer partner, and you put their name. Now, I notice that if I try to commit thing to things myself, it goes less far than if I told my friend to keep me accountable about it. So I have a friend, Audrey, and we talk every week, and she'll ask me, hey, how's it going praying for this person? Or how's it going trying to talk to this person and, and be friends with them? So you, it's important to have those kind of people in your lives. They can be your family members, or they can be another friend. They can be in this room. Um, whoever it is, write their name down, and then ask them. Don't just assume that they'll be that for you. Ask them if they'll help keep you accountable as you take these next steps. We're a community together, we're not just individuals. All right, so put their name down, and then commit to your next step. There's a box, you can just draw an arrow. <laughs> you don't have to write it all around again, but you can just draw an arrow. What is your next step? All right, so very practical training. Um, I found that with my students, uh, these thresholds help give them categories for their friends, and instead of being like, I don't even know where to start with my non-Christian friends, they can say, hey, I notice that my friend is really close to being open to change. What is the thing I got to do? So I think this is for you. I want it to be helpful, not to put your friends in boxes, but to help give you more uh, language and information so that you can help journey with your friend towards faith. Let me pray for us uh, as we take these courageous and faithful steps together. So join me in prayer.